Well, hello, everybody. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> this is my podcast, Making Sparkles, a podcast not about making the musical Sparkle Pony Bear. I'm not saying this is officially the last episode, but it's definitely been quite some time since I've recorded an episode. So I figured now is as good a time as any to kind of recap everything. I know every episode I always do that where I go, oh, let's recap everything I've done since the last episode. But I think this one is going to be a bit more important. Um, it's going to be a talkie. So no interviews, no sharing of the music. Um, this is where I'm going to get a little bit more metaphysical <laughs> about my process um, and where I've been at so far. So Buckle up, um, enjoy the ride. I don't know where this is going to take us, and I don't know how this is going to go, but if anything, it should be mildly entertaining. So, welcome. And this is where you would hear fancy music if I actually gave a shit and put some production value into this. <laughs> I, I oftentimes think, oh... Well, maybe one of these days I'll take a podcast episode and I'll really edit it and produce it and throw some bells and whistles and music in it. And, and then I just kind of go, oh, I have so much work to do. I don't have time for this. Um, and that, that's kind of the story of my life. I think that's why I'm kind of recording this episode right now is that I've been in this uh, kind of in this mode where I'm in between projects, one project that I released, one project that I'm almost done writing. Um, and usually there is this period in the, at least in my creative process where I get to a point where I've released something into the world and I'm basically Googling myself every five minutes to see if anyone else is listening to it. And I'm gearing up for the next project and I'm in pre-production hell with it. And, and usually... When I get to about 75% done writing, which is still kind of pre-production, but it's the writing part, um, that's usually when I end up taking very long breaks because I end up doubting myself. I end up freaking out. <laughs> I go through the whole, oh, I'm worthless. And this is not going to go anywhere. Um, and I think also the subject matter and the work I've been doing lately has been instrumental music. Um which it's kind of a, it, it's funny because for so many years I'd been focused on singers and so many years I've been focused on producing bands that to kind of go back to my roots and just do some instrumental music um, really harkens back to when I was first starting out in San Diego like 15 years ago. And now I realize how old I am now. Um, so I'm kind of here and... I want to do the pot. I, I usually do these episodes more for myself because I like to hear myself talk. Um, whether anyone gleans any information out of this, I have no fucking clue, but um, I'm okay with that, kind of. <laughs> so I've gotten to this point where I did the Book of Arius Act One, and it was an, an insanely autobiographical um, string quartet narrative thing where I kind of really tried to dissect um, 
some of the points of my childhood, some of the points of like my early 20s, and then kind of ultimately trying to reflect and figure out how that meshes with today. Um, so my little shameless plug, you can go on Spotify, iTunes, um, SoundCloud. It's all under TC Crosser, T.C. No spaces and then Crosser, C R O S S E R. Or you can just type in the book of Arius um, and you can take a listen to it. I'm actually pretty proud of it. Um, had this amazing all female string quartet. Um, of course, I had Kaylee Drain at the helm as my music supervisor. We recorded it at Seaside Lounge in Brooklyn, which is now become my favorite recording studio to work out of um and my new favorite audio engineer mark goodell helming the board so it was an exciting process um i think i didn't really do any episodes or podcasts or talk about it after the fact just because hmm i think when you finish something that's highly emotional you usually need a good chunk of time away from it. Um, like even like even last week, I've been kind of in this weird admin slump where I was working on the new project. I got about like 75 to 80% done with it. And then I realized I was kind of going into my old habits and my old kind of mental anxieties. So I've kind of just put it on the shelf. Like it's there, I'll get to it. Um, but then I finally was like, oh, well, I should probably send this stuff out to all the different reviewers and record labels and stuff like that and just see if anything bites. And so as I was kind of working through that process, um, that's when I realized I was like, oh, well, I haven't really talked about it. And I haven't really talked about kind of the, I guess you would call the pros and cons <laughs> of doing something that's very autobiographical like that. Um, I think especially for instrumental music. Um, I think it's different. If you're doing something that's sung, you run an, into a, a nasty situation where you can be too on the nose. So you always want to kind of mar everything in a little bit of mystery. And you don't want to talk too much about your inspiration because the lyrics kind of do the talking for you. When you're doing instrumental music, unfortunately, especially when you're getting reviewed and you're talking to critics and stuff, you kind of have to be a little bit more forthright. You can't really be as mysterious about it because there's no lyrics. So, so you leave too much to the reviewer or the audience's own devices, and that can become complicated. So, so I was pretty brutally honest about this, this project, about... Um, of having a very rough childhood, you know, I, I think I go back and forth between what I want to call my childhood. I don't think I've really reconciled the issues I have with that childhood. Um, and that was a whole point of the book of Arius, but I kind of realized after writing the first act, the reason I don't have act two or three done yet is because I still haven't fully kind of figured it out. Um, but what I do believe it allowed me to do was kind of have this moment where I kind of learned, I mean, I've always known it, but I think I've really wrapped my head around the premise that if you really truly want to rebuild yourself, if you really have gotten to a point where it's time to kind of create a new you, the only way you can do that is by burning everything down. And I'm sure... <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm sure psychologists are going to hear this, or a psychologist, if they ever heard this, would be like, uh, no, that's self-destructive. But at least for me, it was an important kind of experience um, being with this amazing partner that I've been with for the past couple of years, um, having this kind of lifestyle that I've, I've always dreamed about having, and then finally attaining it. And I'm not talking like, uber wealthy, uber status. I think it's just more a sense of family, a, a sense of comfort and calm that that kind of really awoke a part of me that kind of went, all right, well, you finally have everything you want. The only way you're really going to truly accept what you have now is by burning everything down from the past. Not, not forgetting the past, but just kind of going, putting it all in a box pouring it with gasoline, and just lighting a match. Allowing yourself to move forward, tell your stories with a little bit more objectivity. Um, I think the biggest hindrance I had when I was first starting out was that I was too close to the source material, and I was too emotional, and I was too drunk, and I was too addled with drugs to really have an objective look. There was just a lot of rage and a lot of anger, a lot of emotions. My music in the past had always been just kind of like a sledgehammer. <laughs> Even a slow ballad would always turn into just this cacophony of sound. And I think the only reason, like, one of the things I was looking back on was, like, my very first album I kind of put out called Monotre Moutier. And I was trying to figure out why that album seemed to be the most successful in my catalog, even though I'd never released Minotra for the public. I'd only ever used Minotra for licensing. But of all the albums and work I've done, that was the one that I always got the most money off of licensing. And when I looked back on it and started scrubbing through it, I realized it was because there were so many technological and musician constraints in what I was trying to produce that it forced me to kind of minimize a lot of it. And by minimizing it, it created a sound that was a little bit more palatable, <laughs> um, which I thought was really fascinating because now I'm looking back and, and I'm starting to kind of find my groove, but I'm realizing my groove is because I'm learning to subtract. I'm learning to edit. I'm learning to be more objective about what I've been producing and what's been coming out. And I think the irony is, is that the very first album I did had that effect, but it had that effect for entirely different reasons. You know, today it's like I have an amazing studio I can work out of. I have an amazing home space that I write out of with all kinds of pedals and effects. And, you know, I, I can do almost anything I've ever wanted to do and also have the musicians at my disposal to, to create and just dream up and do anything I want. And it's like, Life is now a big blank canvas, but as opposed to when I was first starting out, the source material now I can kind of tackle in a more constructive fashion. So it's not just a bunch of sledgehammers and a bunch of slitting of your wrist like emo music. So, so it's been, this is the metaphysical episode. <laughs> this is the one where I kind of reflect on a lot of that. So, so it's just, this is kind of a stream of conscious. I don't, you know, I, I don't know where this sits in, in the lexicon of TC Crosser, but, but yeah, I think I've also been battling with this notion of being a little bit more public about my process. Um, 
like this I've been streaming my work sessions from home on Twitch. Um, I had this podcast where I was kind of really breaking it down. I'm not saying those are bad things, but I think that it definitely treated what I was doing more as a craftsman and and I was feeling less as an artist. Um, especially when I was on Twitch, like I would do stuff on Twitch and I had like a good collection of people that would regularly pop in and say hi and kind of like see what I was working on. But I just, I think it's just, I wouldn't say internet trolls per se, but I think when people look at you as a content creator, which I fucking hate that word but when people look at you as a content creator as something that they can interact with and less as an artist it kind of diminishes your own self-worth and I was getting to this point on Twitch where like people were getting really mean and snarky like this is a little bit technical but so when I'm working on demos like when I'm just trying to demo something out I recorded at 44.1 kilohertz, which is kind of the baseline, right? Everything in this universe that you listen to as a final product is always at 44.1. But my preferred hertz rate when I record for like real before I go to master um, is at 88.2 kilohertz. So double the bandwidth, right? That way I make sure that when I bounce the final track down, it retains as much of the quality as humanly possible. Well, I started working on the actual studio finishes for this upcoming album and I was getting all this hell because my 88.2 kilohertz when streamed out on Twitch wasn't sounding great. And I was like, okay, well, I don't have an easy solution or fix for that. If you don't like it, don't listen to my, you know, don't come to my stream. But instead people were just getting really like angry with me, like it was my fault and that how dare I do this. And it was kind of like, well, this is mine. <laughs> like I clearly made a mistake, but Jesus Christ, just don't listen. Um, and then I kind of went, well, that's because they view me as a content creator. They, they view me as a source for them to go to to kind of figure out their own processes and stuff. And, and I like teaching. I like helping people. I mean, that's why I'm a producer. But... I'm working on my own stuff. I, I don't know if that was jiving with me. So I kind of took a break, uh, an abrupt break. I just stopped. Um, I think there was also a point where I started experimenting. So I started collaborating with other artists on different genres um, and also realized that my collaboration process was a little bit different. Um, like to me, when you collaborate, it's like a full, it needs to be like a full explosion. Like everyone needs to throw things into the bucket Everyone needs to be working in tandem. And and there was just one collaboration where it was like, I felt like I was doing all the work. And this person just kind of was like off on their own little world. So I did what I could. And when I presented it, I had a very kind of negative feedback from them. And the negative feedback was regarding their own parts. And for me, it was like, well, it was your part. Why didn't you do anything with it? Um... And it just really left like a bad taste in my mouth because I was like, what the fuck? But then like I brought Kaylee back around and we started listening to it and we're like, oh, no, 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 this is a great track. It's just the only thing that's good about it is stuff that we've contributed and done. So we're not going to worry about them anymore. (laughs) 
So, so it's kind of decisions like that. And then I also, again, complete stream of consciousness, but when I was working on that collaboration and realized the only salvageable parts of it were, was the part that I was working on with Kaylee and that therefore the copyright ownership was totally just between the two of us because I was the one that constructed the original kind of like blueprint for the piece. Um, all they did was they added a bunch of drum beats and effects to it. I completely removed all those drum beats and effects and then remapped out the song, started doing it with Kaylee, and I was like, oh, this would be really cool with just cello and working on cello effects. So in that process, the old me would have freaked out and been like driven with anxiety about, oh, well, is it still their song and all this? But it's kind of like this, I wouldn't call it the new me, but I think the part of me that exists today, the part that's evolved, or maybe the part that's like burned everything down and just went, look, I'm not doing this to be famous. <laughs> I'm not creating this because I'm going to get written up or I'm going to be some worldly event that everyone's going to hear about. Like, I, I'm not going to get asked to be on any big interviews with any big people because they're dying to know about my process. So I think when I kind of came to that place with it, it was a little different. I was like, oh, well, I guess I really don't care. <laughs> so at the end of the day, it's just about me making sure I'm outputting something that I actually believe in. And if other people don't agree with that, I mean, I should listen to that feedback, but I should always take that with a grain of salt. And so I think all of these things kind of came in in at the same point. So I had the point where I was dealing with the postpartum depression of finishing act one um, and not really knowing what to do with act two yet. Um, I was at the 75% writing mark for the full length instrumental album I'm doing right now. And I was getting some hell from trying to stream on Twitch and just getting some kind of, it wasn't making me feel great being on Twitch. At, at that point. And then on top of that, doing some collaborations to try to test some different styles and things, and then also not getting the response or feedback or constructive criticism that I was kind of hoping for. I think all of those things kind of came to this like apex point that I'm at right now, which is why I'm recording this podcast, because I'm at the apex. And here's my stream of consciousness of trying to figure that out. Um, what does that mean for my career currently? What does that mean moving forward? Um, and are there any things from the past that I can kind of learn from and kind of grow with? I feel like I, and I think ultimately when you work on projects that involve multiple people, like if you're doing an instrumental album and the instrumental album requires a string quartet, that string quartet has a certain amount of ownership and responsibility. You know, I have a music supervisor. That music supervisor takes a bit of responsibility and ownership of my work. Even the audio engineer, the recording studio, you know, there are all these other pieces, parts. And I think what I was learning was that there is a reason composers put themselves in a vacuum and they don't show all the tricks of the trade. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons why they do it, but I think for me anyway, and I'm not, I need to learn not to be so broad. All composers feel this way. No, I think 
for me, the most valuable lesson I'm kind of learning in this experience is that I need to have my moment where I feel like I'm being artsy fartsy. Um, I need to have that moment where I feel like I'm being more highbrow as an artist. And unfortunately, when I do that, it doesn't translate well for the masses. Like, it's like making sausage. Sometimes sausage is great, but if you really see how it's made, it's not going to be as pleasurable. And I think by blowing my load so much and just exposing myself for everything I was working on, it was not becoming constructive. It was becoming destructive. And I think dealing with so many different issues at the same time and so many different emotional things, I just, I needed to figure out a way where I could still feel like I was contributing and throwing things out there while I'm in the midst of still writing. Um, but at the same time, not so much that I felt beholden and not so much that I felt like I was some cheesy content creator, you know, just pumping out random YouTube videos. I never did that, by the way. I never put out any YouTube videos. But I think Twitch was the same way, right? Just putting out these random streams of me doing my template in Logic or learning about my effects pedals or putting installing my new patch bay. Like, these are things that I always was like, oh... I wish more artists would show that because it's so fascinating and I think it would be so helpful, you know, because a lot of the stuff I was doing, like I was kind of having to figure this out on my own, you know, setting up a patch bay with a brand new eight in, eight out audio interface and then having that routed through all of my effects pedals and then having that routed through logic and then having that, you know, all of these things like fascinate me and it took a lot of work to get them set up. And I was like, oh, well, the universe... <laughs> <laughs> but I threw it out there, someone can pick up on that, and then they don't have to work so hard on it. Maybe they'll learn something from it. And then <clears throat> I think after I took a week off, because it's been about a week, it's been about a week since I stopped streaming, and I kind of took a break from working on the album, and I kind of focused more on the administrative business side of, of my work. Um, I kind of reflected back, and I was like, oh, I think this makes a little bit more sense. I think... Part of putting in the patch bay and the effects pedals were also kind of an intuitive way of me kind of identifying a sound I was trying to generate. So sure, the patch bay effects pedals and all of that is great knowledge, but at the end of the day, part of the process of figuring out your sound is doing that type of stuff. So I don't know. Long story short, <laughs> I, I've really started to hone in on this kind of unique sound. Um, but I think, I think Twitch and streaming it and and really getting into the weeds of it was was fun. But I think it's gotten to a point now where I've I don't know if I need to close the chapter completely. But for now, definitely not revisit that fun hell. <laughs> because <laughs> that, that was a little bit much I think it's like I only have so much bandwidth I can deal with my own emotional angst I can deal with this, these autobiographical pieces I'm working on I can handle my own setups and doing stuff but then when you start involving people that aren't really part of the creative process but they're more spectators that get a voice um, you know I, I think it's a whole thing with Twitter right when you post something on Twitter 
and you have enough followers, get ready to get some of the dumbest comments in the world coming back at you, you know, because because people, everyone wants to feel special. Everyone wants to like pee on whatever you're doing. I feel like I like in, I like in Twitter and Twitch and all these different kind of platforms. It's almost like a bunch of like, I, I wouldn't even say, it's like a bunch of middle schoolers um, participating in a debate about politics. It's just kind of uninformed and you can't fault them for it because they don't really understand how the world works yet. They haven't had those life experiences. It's, it's, just, it's just a big mess. And so I kind of like, I've just been in this process of trying to figure out what I'm doing and moving forward, how all this stuff is going to kind of gel together. And so that's a little bit of a reflection on the past. <laughs> I'm trying my damnedest to keep this a little bit more structured um, as I as I freeform jazz out my thoughts just so I can kind of, there in in a way of therapy figure out what the fuck I'm doing um but that's where I'm at so so that that's kind of the past of put out this EP this four track EP that's act one of an instrumental project I'll slowly be working on over the next couple of years um I'm up to this point where I'm at like the 75 percent marker of just writing out the next full-length album that I'm hoping I'll be recording like probably around June. Originally I was saying May, but I think June might be a little bit more appropriate. Um, and also I had these experiences of kind of sh oversharing my work processes on Twitch and, and kind of accidentally tipping my toe in the content creator waters only to realize that that was, a, that was just not my way. That's not my thing. Um, and so that, that's the past part. So now I think we're kind of ready to delve into where I'm at right now. And what is now? Oh, well, isn't that an existential question? <laughs> so as I kind of said, I've been working on this instrumental album. It's kind of evolved. Um, when I first took it on, it was based on the very first work I'd ever done that I never produ I never released to the public called Minotre Motier. Um, and I decided it was, it was an eight track album and I was just going to rescore the eight tracks for string quartet, super easy peasy, no fancy bells or whistles, no effects, just string quartet, eight tracks, short and simple. But then it kind of evolved because I'm nuts and fuck crazy person started adding effects to it. And then I kind of realized that this, because Minotre Motier literally in French translates to my other half. So I kind of realized that this is something I wrote 15 years ago. And as I started diving into it, I realized, oh, well, I actually do already have the other half to this. Like now that I have this amazing partner and this, this life that I'm happy with or satisfied with, um, I have the other side. So I should probably flesh this out. So what became eight tracks became 13 tracks, became taking the string quartet and putting them through my unique special blend of effects and pedals. <laughs> that's the tagline Kaylee came up with. And so that's how I'm pitching it is that from now moving forward, I've been really taking the string quartet, but then pushing them through effects pedals and unique. Basically, I'm taking all the things I fucking learned from being a punk rock producer 
and using that for string quartets. I think that's kind of where I'm leaving my mark. Sorry if I'm getting a little adamant about that, but that that's where I'm at with that. So so I started putting the string through the effects and it sounded really cool. But then the other tracks I started working on just so when I write songs, I always start with piano. I write it on piano or on keyboard, and then I kind of evolve it and rearrange it for whatever I'm doing. So I thought it would be interesting for these other kind of like five tracks to keep them as keyboard piano and then integrate them with strings if applicable, because that's the other half. The other half is, is a more exposed version of what I'm covering up. Um, and that's where I'm presently kind of at, is I'm trying to find the balance between showing or exposing myself for who, what the source material is, but then still having this patina of polished string arrangements on top of it. And as I say that, I kind of realize why I've been having this issue with showing my creative process on Twitch and, and kind of sharing things like that is the fact that when I'm streaming it on Twitch, I don't feel like I'm an artist. <laughs> I feel like I'm just some stupid YouTuber just showing off. And, and I didn't like that. So so I think that that was an issue I was kind of dealing with. Um, but so Minotra kind of became what was supposed to be a really simple thing. Eight tracks in the studio, record it, and no effects or anything, and we'll just get through it. Quickly devolved into this chaotic full-length hour-length album with with me exposing myself on some of the songs kind of showing them just as these kind of really weird um, keyboard arrangement type pieces because that's how I start all my songs off as anyway it's been a really fun process that's where I'm kind of at with it right now so I've got everything except for the intro and the outro of the album have already been kind of like mapped out um, with varying degrees of success that's why I keep saying 75% because the 25% <laughs> is kind of for me it's always the hardest part because it's kind of the the final lattice work you know you're putting on the final pieces before you actually go into production mode where you go in the studio and you record everything. I think that's also why I needed to have this little episode podcast that I'm throwing out. I, I needed this opportunity to like just throw out my thoughts because everything was becoming such a jumbled mess and there's only so much therapy Kaylee can assist with when I'm getting through these creative processes. Um, and it, it's been fun. I'm not complaining about it. It's just, it's a little scary. It's a little weird. Um, typically when I write on keyboard and piano, I'm not always satisfied with it and I'm always rearranging it with other instruments and other things. And, and I, I, I reflect on that. I think it's because of my own confidence issues. I've always had this issue with my confidence in who I am. Like I've always felt like a lot of my work was focused on pleasing other people and having other people look at me and go, oh, wow, you're really cool. And I think now that I'm in the, the process or I've kind of expelled a lot of that and I've just been like well I'm just fucking burning it down I'm just gonna do whatever the fuck I want I'm gonna figure this out I, I'm paying for all this on my own I'm producing all of this on my own like I'm the it's, 
you know, there's a lot of moving pieces parts, but at the end of the day, I'm the one responsible for this. So I feel like in that process of doing that, it's, it's kind of, it's liberated me, but it's also removed the safety net and it's terrified the shit out of me. <laughs> I'll just be completely honest. I, it's been very terrifying to work on tracks that are just, they are what they are. They don't have any added strings or other instruments that I have to rely on. It, it's like an exposed nerve. It's just, this is what came out of my head and this is what I generated. And, and anything I've done, like it's, I'm the sole responsibility is on me. And so presently that's what I'm working on. It's been very, <laughs> very maddening, um, maddening. I can't even speak at this point, but so that's, that's where I've been doing that. And, and the fun thing is presently as I've been really kind of fine tuning my pedals. Um, so all the pedals I've been getting, I've been purchasing from noise kick effects. Um, it's kind of a mom and pop shop. They custom make everything in Maryland, Baltimore, Maryland. And so I've been experimenting with their pedals, coming up with ways and, and also finding quirky things about how I can create my music. So, so all my keyboard stuff, um, I pump it through this. I've had this keyboard for like 15 years. It's old M audio pro keys, 88. Um, it's the very first keyboard I ever purchased on my own with my own money. Um, I've, it's, it's been with me on punk shows. It's been, it's been from San Diego to San Francisco, to LA, to Seattle, to New York, like four times. Like this keyboard has always been with me. It's always been a part of me. Um, and it's completely fallen apart. It, it is not, it is no longer road hard. It is just, it's duct taped together. The knobs don't work, but it's got the old Yamaha keyboard chipset to generate the sounds. And there's just been this kind of weird nostalgia where what I've been doing is I've been pumping the MIDI tracks through it to generate the analog sound and then taking the output of what the keyboard generates and putting that through my effects and filters. And, and in this process, I've kind of created this unique, there's just this really unique kind of cool, it's been cool to me sound. It's got a little bit of nostalgia because it's like I hear that electric keyboard pumped out and it reminds me of like 20 year old me but then I'm pumping it through all these new pedals and effects and this, these new techniques like like taking the output and then putting it through a keyboard amp in the bathroom and using an SM58 to mic the output of the amp in the bathroom like all this fun stuff but as I've been doing that, it's also been forcing me to rethink how I want to record the string quartet as well. So because I need everything to be cohesive, I need it all to have the same kind of processes in place. So it further made me go, oh, well, I still want to, I still need to take the string quartet, track it in a real studio. But now I've kind of figured out how to get the pedals and everything to work. Now that I have this crazy 36 track patch bay, I can start to reroute things on my own and on my own time. So I'm not wasting anyone's time. So it has been a fun explore, exploration. Um, and presently I've just, I finally kind of nailed down 
almost nailed down the process. I think where I'm at right now, and I know this is a little in the weeds, but if you're an audio junkie, it'll make sense. So the problem I'm having is everyone always says when you're recording an amp, you should always record it using an SM57. I have an SM57 and I've been doing that and I just, I hate the SM57 mic. It just picks up way too much ambient noise. Like it's just been wildly out of control. So I found that using the good old SM58 beta, alpha beta mic um, actually gives me everything I want. So, so in this process, I'm also learning that the way I'm recording and processing isn't going to be the typical approach that most audio engineers kind of approach to it. So I think part of the problem I've kind of had presently is taking out the tropes and things that I was taught and kind of doing it my own way. SM57 is not working. I, I do it with an SM58 and all of a sudden it sounds a little bit more the way I want it to sound. So, so that's where I'm at. Presently, I keep saying that, right? <laughs> it's exhausting though. It's a crazy process. So so the hope is once I fine tune the sound and get it just right, like not with the strings yet, but just the actual keyboard songs that I'm working on. Once I get those like in the sweet spot, exactly the way I want them to sound, then I think that that's the point when I can go back and re... I just, there's a couple of things in the string arrangements that I want to fix a little bit. Like there's a couple of places where I feel like I've just gotten lazy on, but I'm realizing I'm lazy on them because I'm not really sure how it's going to sound. So once I master how I want it to sound on the keyboard, and then I try to integrate that into the strings, then I can kind of rewrite the strings in those weird little spots that just are kind of like standing out, jumping out a little bit more than they should. And then once I get that done, then the album will be ready to be recorded. And then that brings us into the future. Oh, and isn't it a beautiful future? So I actually originally, <laughs> I, I there was this weird kind of interstitial I had narrated and recorded in here talking about promotion and music promotion companies and advertising on Twitter and Instagram and all of that. And, and <clears throat> I, I, I deleted it because long story short, I, I have not found any success with that. Um, it's always been kind of the weird thing, right? You work so hard on a project, you finish the project, you put it out, but then you got to get people to listen to it. And, and I don't think there's any way around the old tried and true method of just going out on the road and touring with it. Um, I think the whole Instagram, Facebook ad, the paying to have your music reviewed, like all that crap just doesn't fucking work. Um, and you know, I got in this long diatribe and I listed out all these companies and all this crap and I was just, you know, it wasn't worth it. But it's important to kind of state in advance because it is part of what I'm going to talk about as far as what the future is. Um, I think everything's been kind of bubbling up to this point. So, so the book of Arius is my first stab at kind of identifying my sound. And I think the reason it works out that the book of Arius is three separate acts is that it allows me to gradually move into 
the sound that I'm ultimately trying to create while still kind of evolving into it. So act one <clears throat> is going to be a little bit more, how do I put this? So act one was, was basically, I focused more on the compositional structure and the more kind of narrative storytelling, but I didn't focus a lot on the pedals and the effects I wanted to use, which I think works really well for a first act because you're just trying to prime people into it. Um, that's why instead of immediately going into act two, I decided to do a different album. Because, <laughs> you know, that's how you do it. You release an EP and then you write an entirely separate album. Um, but this album is really where I've been kind of throwing the kitchen sink and, and really kind of fine-tuning and identifying my sound. So the future is obviously I've got to record this bad boy. Um, but I've been doing enough experimentation and testing in my home rig that by the time June comes around and I'm ready to record, I'm not going to waste a whole lot of time. Like, I think it'll happen pretty quick. I think the turnaround time between going in the studio and being ready to release the album probably is only going to be like a couple weeks. Um, but it's because everything is already going to be templated out and I'm already going to have everything kind of mapped out and figured out the way I want it. So, so I'm not... I'm not overly concerned with it. I'm not actually looking forward to it. The other point, that's where the promotion side was kind of coming in, is I'm actually looking into trying to start getting some shows out there. Um, and originally I was very hesitant because I hate performing. I, I just, I, I do not like performing. It is not my thing. It is just too much pressure for this little composer boy. I like to be behind the curtain. Um, <clears throat> but Kaylee, my music supervisor, earlier uh, a couple months ago was really kind of pushing it. She's like, you know, I really want to do this. I really want to turn this into a show. I think this would be a lot of fun. Um, and I started to talk to her about it. I was like, well, I myself do not want to perform. But I have enough string quartet material between Act 1. Eventually, I'm going to start working on Act 2 once I finish writing the album. You know, I'd have enough to put together with the string quartet to do a real show. And I think it would be a really unique opportunity to showcase how I make these sounds and things. Like, in my head, I visualize a string quartet with guitar amps behind them and effects pedals and just, you know, kind of this avant-garde kind of, you know, it's kind of like turning a string quartet into a more punk rock experience. It would be a lot of fun. Um, obviously... Act one and Minotra Moutier, the style of music isn't punk, but the sound kind of is. So I don't know. It'd be, it's going to be an interesting experience. And so I've kind of let her run with it a little bit. Um, we've kind of shelved it just because my focus is actually writing the album. But, but I do see shows in my future. Um, not shows where I'm performing the keyboard parts, but definitely shows where... I'm letting the string quartet kind of run off with it. Um, so at least that way I could put it out there. I could do the shows that warrant the promotion um, and I don't have to perform it. <laughs> um, let's see here. Also with that, so, so the future, at least within this year, it's about the album. It's about working on act two. Um, I dip my toes a lot in all kinds of different things that I always explore. And I feel like I get really hot on it. Like, oh, like there there was like, 
I met with a bunch of theater directors and they were talking about, you know, these different ideas for performance art shows. And, you know, I started worrying a little bit more about my career. So I was like thinking about, oh, what about, you know, what what if I focus on um, stuff from music placement, right? Licensing and sync royalties and stuff like that. Um, I just kind of found... I just, I don't write in a style or a way that's necessarily conducive, or at least that I've found. Um, I have a couple of places I go when I try to publish. So, like, I've, I've used AudioSocket for years. I used AudioSocket. Um, but I just, I feel like, I don't know if they as a company have sloughed off or it's just my catalog is not palatable like it used to be 10 or 15 years ago, but... There really has been no no return on any of that. Um, I tried Song Trader, where you directly reach out to the people looking for music for things. Um, but again, I, I feel like most people are looking not for instrumental work, or maybe it's just my style. It doesn't fit. But <clears throat> I think the long story short on that is I'm kind of realizing... I need to be, I need to treat myself more as an artist. And I think that's where we kind of come full circle around now that we're at the 45 minute mark of me just blathering away like a lunatic. Um, I think the realization is this past year, I started into an instrumental format, which where before it was about producing bands and finding vocal talent and working with them and then hopefully hitting it big. And then kind of re-pivoting re and realizing, oh, I was my happiest when I was writing str string arrangements, but I never saw myself making a living off of it because it's insanely difficult and it's a format that's a little bit, you know, archaic. To now where it's like, I'm able to financially support myself. I'm in, I have a lifestyle and, and a partner and a person, I have a personal life I am happy with. So why not just continue that? Just work on what makes me happy. I think the problem is, is I have to constantly check myself because I constantly have these modes where I start to get down on myself, like my confidence level or for, there's a, there's a myriad of reasons why, why people go through this, but I just get to this place where I was like, oh, I have to worry about my career. I have to worry about, you know, making a living, you know, oh my God, what am I going to do? do when I'm 50. <laughs> so I think now I've just kind of started to snap out of it a little bit and kind of be like, all right, I tried some promotional things to see if that would push me out and they didn't really work. And I think they didn't work because it wasn't genuine. There, It wasn't an organic experience. And I think trying to alter myself or push myself in the music publishing, music licensing platform, that wasn't working either. Cause it's like trying to cram a square peg in a round hole. Like it's the same reason about going on Twitch and sharing what you're working on as you're working on it on Twitch. The minute you ask for input from the outside world, if you're not ready for that input, you're not going to be happy with the results. Like, the, like I find that when you're trying to be an artist, there really is no such thing as constructive criticism. Like, like when you're trying to be an artist, you have to just be an artist. You just have to, you have to go on the journey and figure it out. Um, 
and, and when you're ready for a point of getting constructive criticism, you need to stay internal. You need to stay with your team. Like, that's what I have Kaylee, my music supervisor, for. You know, Kaylee doesn't write the songs. Kaylee takes the songs after I've written them, and then she evaluates them based on logistics, right? I got to have a string quartet record this. Can the string quartet easily translate what I'm writing? You know, stuff like that. Going on fucking Twitch and just having people yell at me because I'm in the wrong hertz rate for streaming <laughs> was not exactly what I signed up for. You know, trying to promote my music through a Facebook ad or trying to promote my work by paying someone to review it, not working, not genuine and not an organic response, you know trying to push my music via product placement, commercial work, and stuff like that, not working. Because again, it's like if you're trying to do something artistic, more than likely it's going to be difficult to try to sell that in a different platform. So for me, I feel like the future really is going to be geared more towards basically, well, I have to complete the album first. So I got to get the album out, and then once I get the album out, kind of regrouping with Kaylee to talk about doing these shows and doing some live performances of these shows. Because I feel like the live performance is the ultimate kind of test as to where I'm at with my music. Is my music translating properly? You know, like when you do things in a studio, you're doing it in a vacuum. And, and it's almost a given that no one's going to listen to your music on Spotify because it's, it's just this huge, wide-open sea. But if you do a show and you push it, put your promotion dollars towards that show and people show up to that show and people do not like that show, that's a whole different... That's when you kind of have to step back. But if you do the show and people are like even mildly pleased with it, then at least you kind of feel like you're on the right track. <laughs> So, so that's where I'm at. I think the future ahead is finishing the album and then after finishing the album, trying to find some clever, unique way of putting a show together. And, I, and I, that, is what, that is going to be my focus in the future. And, and honestly, I am kind of making this up on the fly. I think all of the stuff I've been talking about are these pieces, parts I've had in place and I've been working on. And I think if you go back to some previous episodes, you kind of hear me kind of talking about the same things. I think the big difference is this is the first time I'm actually kind of like just saying it out loud and freeform thought kind of linking everything together. So, so how, how would I summarize this? <laughs> well, um, I would start by saying um, it's been a very long and very rough <laughs> road to get here. Um, but in order to fully appreciate what I have now and fully appreciate what I'm working on currently, I kind of have to burn down all of that past. Basically taking all that crazy, twisted, horrible past and basically putting it in a box, putting some gasoline on it and lighting a match. The emotions and the experiences will always be there but I'm at a point now where I feel like I'm mature enough where I don't need to let that linger leak into my personal life. It, it's basically I can keep the urn of the ashes up on the mantle. So that way it's kind of a reminder, but it's not something that's going to necessarily reflect on how I'm doing things today. Present, I've got my marching orders. I got to get this album done. Um, 
I'm going to stop Twitch streaming and I'm going to stop um, pushing myself so hard in a public format. I think doing a podcast that no one listens to is actually kind of the right way to go for me for right now. Because it's like, no one listens to it. I didn't expect anyone to listen to it. If anyone listens to this, it's like, well, that's your fault. <laughs> you wasted your time, but you can't comment on it. You can't come back at me. It's a fucking podcast episode. Ha! So, joke's on you on that. Um, and then finally, I think taking all those things and building on the future, it's about not worrying about the the big business make or break it moment and instead kind of having a more indie band approach to it where it's like well we'll have the album done and then we should put a show together and when we put the show together i'm sure we can do some really cool things to make that show happen so it looks cool you know i've done enough shows in my day where i think i make it seem pretty cool so we're going to do shows and we're going to release an album and i'm excited about that and I think for the time being, that's the road that lies ahead. Where does this podcast go? What do these episodes do? Uh, fuck if I know. <laughs> I guess you're just going to have to follow me on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and, you know, just keep up. You know, I've got TC Crosser, T-C-C-R-O-S-S-E-R, pretty easy to remember. Um... It's my Twitter, it's my Instagram, it's my SoundCloud. So, I mean, there's a lot of ways where you can kind of see what I'm working on. But I think the, the end result of all this is I'll probably do more podcast episodes and I'm going to kind of stay away from the whole streaming on Twitch and kind of doing videos of my creative process. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, all right, we're at 53 minutes. I'm going to call it a day. Um, have a great weekend or whatever time you're listening to this. It's really fucking cold in New York, yo. Peace out.